0: welcome back everyone to the mid-season episode of the frosty connects podcast i'm your host jason along with frosty crispy
1: cream donuts
0: i'd like a crispy cream donut yeah
1: you cannot has why not because you cannot has no donut for you No, I'm sad. <laughs>
0: anyway, all video games are canceled from here on out. I repeat, all video games are canceled. I'm sorry to report this. Well, video
1: games were a fucking mistake. Anyway, I think everything was a mistake. Social media, video games, every other example of things I can think of is too inappropriate to say on this podcast. <laughs> 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 Okay, They'd be funny to me because of how inappropriate they are, but everyone else would probably get offended by them because they're highly offensive. (laughs) Y'all can fill in the blanks. (laughs) Anyway, the reason video games are canceled
0: is because Anthem Next has been officially canceled by EA. Two years of active... I I won't say active. It probably wasn't
1: active. If you could say active, that's pretty generous, I think. (laughs) for the amount of development that was actually taking place in that title, but mm-hmm. no, yeah, I, I'm not surprised by this. Are you surprised by this?
0: Why would anyone be surprised by this?
1: Okay, yeah, so
0: the writing was on the wall the day it launched, like the week it launched.
1: Well they were gonna try and like pivot into something that was not crap at you, but that I don't know. It, it, it didn't happen. No, it didn't. So I mean at the beginning of the launch there were
0: a lot of issues. They had a roadmap that they did not adhere to and they basically veered well off course and then they said okay we're going to uh rehaul the game Uh, like it's going to be like a 2.0 patch to fix all the issues and then they spent quite a bit of time people were wondering what the heck's happening
1: yeah silence is almost always a
0: bad thing (laughs) yeah silence is definitely a bad thing so it was reported that um in order to overhaul this they needed triple the resources that they were currently having so they had about like 30 or so people on the team to overhaul because everyone else was either clearly working on the mass effect legendary trilogy game that's coming out this year i'm assuming that's from bioware they've got people working on the dragon age 4 game and then they'd have people working on this and then anything else that they have to i guess support So not that many resources on hand to really overhaul the game.
1: I was going to say, you fucking try to overhaul a game with, like, 30 people instead of, you know, like, an entire development team. It would still need, like, to be in active development to actually be completely rejigged. Yeah. Because most of the parts had to be just thrown in the garbage.
0: Yeah, they kind of scapegoated the uh, current pandemic as the main cause, but...
1: That's not at all true. I don't... If if It was a contributing factor. Yeah, but like, if COVID hadn't happened, I still think this game would have gotten shit-canned.
0: Yeah, probably, especially since, yeah, they need to focus on the new Mass Effect game that they've teased, the Dragon Age 4 that everyone's been begging for.
1: Actually, apparently because of how bad Anthem performed, They were originally going to have Dragon Age 4 be a live service game, and now they're like, no, fuck it, it's a single-player game again. Yep, they took out
0: the multiplayer component because of how bad yeah Anthem was and how successful Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, which was a single-player game. That was kind of quoted as kind of the reason why they're kind of letting Bioware do its thing again. A studio
1: that has no idea how to make online games, making Mm -hmm. online games. I'm sure that didn't... Okay, I guess I should qualify that. The Edmonton studio has no idea how to make online games. The one in Texas has a very long history making KOTOR. They have experience. It's just that both of the people from those respective areas are very bullheaded and decided, no, we know what's best. For people who are not from Canada, Alberta is basically Canada's Texas. So the people there are not. (laughs) They're super conservative and like not everyone, but like generally speaking, there's a lot of conservatives, a lot of their economy is based around oil, and then um, they also just fucking think everyone else from the rest of the country is dumb as shit and everything that they think is the best way of doing things our last election they wanted to fucking brexit themselves from the country but every province that was around them was like no fucking grow up what are you morons doing (laughs) yeah i I don't know why they would try and repeat that after quebec tried to oh man quebec has been trying to do that for years i think we should let them fucking separate and then we should invade them and then take them over again what the fuck, and then force them to be an English speaking province. Oh <laughs> There'll be a, be a French genocide. <laughs>
0: France will just applaud us. They're like, Good, you got rid of French, uh, yeah, fr-
1: fucking, Canadian French, thank god. Fucking, the people in France don't even like people from Quebec. So <laughs> people will come over from Quebec and try and speak like Canadian French to people from France, and, the, and then they'll be like, I'm sorry, I don't speak English to them.
0: You're not wrong.
1: Anyway, that's all I had to say about my, like, fucking genocidal ideas for Shantha and Anthem. Do you have anything else to add about Anthem?
0: I'm happy that my Platinum's not getting touched with new DLC or extra trophies. I bought that game and sold it at the exact same price that I got it for, so... Right, you played that fucking piece of shit. I played that fucking piece of shit, so I know how shitty <laughs> it was. Yeah. Mind you, it was, like, the half year into its life cycle. So it is being still supported on life support at this point.
1: Whatever the fuck that means from EA. The company that fucking replaces its games with new versions every year.
0: (laughs) Except Anthem. Anthem's dead. Yeah, except Anthem. Anthem's fucking dead. Yeah, no Anthem 2 from Bioware.
1: God, Can you even imagine?
0: It's funny because Anthem does leave off on a cliffhanger due to it believing that it was going to be a live service and going to have, like, kind of the story content.
1: That's a bold assumption. You had to think the developers knew that what they were putting out was
0: garbage. They thought the Bioware magic was gonna work its way.
1: Fucking Bioware magic. Woo. <laughs>
0: yeah, but sadly no. So that's it from Anthem. Yeah, what a game! It forced EA to reevaluate the shithead direction it was taking the entire company. Well, because apparently EA was just like every game has to have a live service. Every game.
1: I think I've explained that before. But it makes sense from a business standpoint. It's just mm-hmm. that, like, because games are entertainment-based, it doesn't make sense for every game model to be built that way. It's like, if you want to make live services, you need to make a game that actually works within a live service framework. Anthem kind of did. It's just that the developers who were making it were complete shitheads about it. So, you know.
0: The only fun part was really being the Iron Man flying around. But even that was on a kind of a cooldown.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, like, EA's want to say CEO. He actually goes around and like plays the games from the different studios. And every year at Christmas, he gets demos of what's being made. And he makes his family like when he has his family over, he like lets the people from his family play them and then get like feedback. I imagine he's making them all sign NDAs. <laughs> I don't know about that. But like when he brought the demo for Anthem Home, he's like, yeah, this this game was garbage. No one liked it and then he's like you have i think it was like, jason schreier wrote up a whole big article about it i recommend everyone read it about anthems tumultuous development but he gives them like five or six weeks to turn it around and like they put in the flying last minute into their build because they kept putting it in and taking it out and putting it back mm-hmm. in and then taking it out and then they put it in with the build that they let him play and he's like this is fucking awesome so then they left it in for the rest of the game and i'm like wow that's i i don't know we both work in it right and i've been on some real shithead projects before but like i have never been on a project that was that poorly managed where there's like a component that keeps getting taken out and put it back in and taken out and put it back in and taken out and put it back in and it only like finally gets decided on when like one person who's really really important says wow this is awesome that has never happened there's always been at least some kind of direction and some clarity in like what we're working towards
0: well i can say that i've had a project like that and yeah it is uh What's the most polite? W- no, shit. It, yeah, never mind. Not fucking dog shit.
1: You yeah, know, I have like not 100% clear direction on some stuff. I get really pissy with people when they, I'm like, just make a fucking decision. But yeah, if you're just like on a ship that has no captain and you're just drifting astray, it's like this is the worst shit in the world. Anyway, video games.
0: Yeah, well, lots of video games got announced recently, actually. Well, kind of. We, I wish that was the case. So Sony had recently a state of play Sony version of a Nintendo Direct. Yeah, their version because they don't do E3 anymore. To say it was lackluster would be an understatement because a lot of stuff that got previously announced or shown off was kind of reshown because enough times passed where like the developments changed quite a bit. For some strange reason, they started with Crash Bandicoot 4 and showing, oh, look, it's the PS5 version now, and you've got the 3D audio, the adaptive triggers, and faster loading times at 4K. And they showed that off for, like, three minutes of their, th- like, 30-minute presentation or something like that. I'm like, oh, God, this is not setting the tone very well.
1: I'm just going to throw this out there. the fucking... PS5 was 100% sold on the back of promises of games to come. PS4 was sold in a very similar way. It didn't have, like, dick all for... A few years, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I think it, it released in 2013. I think 2015, 2016 is when it started to finally pick up with some games that were new that you couldn't already play on the previous generation of hardware. Now, granted, you could play them nicer on the new hardware, but, like, there was no game, like, new games that you needed the new system to play, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like how fucking computer hardware is, where it's just like, oh, I can just like play whatever the fuck I want, and like, eventually, you, you kind of like are running into some issues, and it's like, okay, maybe it's time to upgrade. I know that not everyone treats computer upgrades that way, but I sure should do.
0: <laughs> no, it's it's fine, it works.
1: Yeah, but that's definitely why they're just showing off like a bunch of shit that people already have, and they're being like, this is why you should buy this console because we have nothing to show on it yet. They won't for. Know, probably a couple of years still. It's like most of Sony's studios already released. Like they just they there's like they just finished releasing games. So they are either getting ramped up on their next projects or they're like midstream on their current projects.
0: Yeah, I mean a lot of what the PS five is is like, oh look, you can play the like it's the backwards compatibility with just the PS4 games or like ninety-nine yeah. percent of the PS4 games. Yeah, yeah. And that helps. And they've actually done a few patches. Like for you own the PS5 and you're playing the the God of War. There's a PS5 patch that like.
1: lets it actually run 60 60, FPS?
0: Yeah, either that or like it fixes some of the stability issues because some things weren't accounted for between the versions. Usually that's mostly for Sony owned games, like not many of the third party, unless it's like a game that just came out are really kind of compensating for that. Which, which makes sense. I mean, for someone who released a game in 2017, there's no real point. It's not been successful on, for a while to even bother with another patch. Because that costs yeah. them money. Because like, uh, unlike Steam, where like I think the patches are essentially free, you have to pay Sony to do the patches. There's a big cost for them. And if it's not even worth it, then fuck
1: it. That is a huge difference between at least some of the PC market stuff versus console market. Every single console manufacturer makes developers go through an approval process, which costs money. Sony and Microsoft's are kind of dumb. Nintendo's is extremely dumb. I'm not just bullying Nintendo here because I, I you know, like, oh, I hate Nintendo. Nintendo's get your actually... your bingo cards out. Yeah, get your bingo <laughs> cards out. Actually, yeah, get, definitely get your bingo cards out. i will be mentioning a few other things that you can cross off on your fucking bingo cards later. But the Nintendo one in particular has, like, a 15-day lead time. So, like, it can take between, like, 15 and 25 days for them to approve a patch. And if you have, like, a game-breaking bug, it can take, like, over two weeks before Nintendo will actually put the fucking patch out on their system, which is just and, the dumbest and, shit in and the world. And that's if
0: they certify because they could still technically reject it and be yeah. like, no,
1: there's something wrong with this. I see that you put in a Bitcoin miner. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's, like, a whole fucking thing. And that stipulation is only applied to, like, not Nintendo's internal teams. So Nintendo's games are the only ones that, like, get patched properly and quickly on their own systems. Everyone else's games are, are subject to, like, extreme wait times. Unless, of course, you're, like, big money games. I imagine Fortnite probably gets preferential treatment because it's the big cash cow game, and it makes them a shitload of money. So they're like, oh, yeah, we'll, like, approve your patches faster. Which is like kind of true of of everything, but yeah, it's, I don't know. Nintendo's a real like really fucking useless in regard to that kind of a uh, process for patching. And as you said, it costs money for all three of the, the console manufacturers mm-hmm. to put patches out. Where on Steam, you can put out as many patches as you want. You put them out as often as you want. Doesn't cost you anything. Valve doesn't look at anything you're putting out there. It it doesn't care. I remember one incident where Game Freak actually they put a game out on Steam like tempo the badass elephant or something it was on mm, um yeah. it it's on ps4 as well i think yeah on the steam version it like launched and it didn't even have an executable file when it launched so people were like downloading nothing and being like i don't understand why the game's not working i was like this for a few hours until they realized that and they you know they like fucking patched in the game actually being <laughs> in the game <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, but it's like, you know, all they had to do was see that, like, someone was like, hey, the game's not in the download when you download it, and they were like, oh, shit, and they added it to the download and then, like, uploaded the version as, like, a patch, and then everyone who downloaded it from that point forward had, like, the thing, and everyone who'd already downloaded it immediately got a thing that was like, oh, hey, there's an update available, so... Which is the way it should be. You shouldn't fucking hamstring developers on when and how they can patch their fucking game. It's like a tool that a developer should always have available to them.
0: I mean, there's sometimes... When a developer just goes, it's not financially viable for me to patch up this bug. And then they just give a workaround instead and say, sorry, I didn't make enough money on this game. Uh, here's, Here's the workaround for this game breaking bug.
1: That's also why you see stuff like Stardew Valley it gets all of its updates several weeks earlier on Steam and all of the beta testing and stuff happens on Steam and only Steam. So mm-hmm. they had like version 1.5 of Stardew, I think almost two months before the consoles got it. It was released yeah. onto Steam. People found bugs, Eric fixed the bugs and then rolled out patches continuously. And then when it was like, kind of in a good stable state then he put it through on the consoles for certification and then they got the patch you know however many weeks or months later i think hades did that as well where hades was like fucking like five or six minor versions ahead on steam versus the switch version because like on steam it can get updated immediately all of, like, the new fixes were in that, and then, like, eventually, when Supergiant had, like, enough of them, they kind of, like, bunched them all together into one big update and then pushed it out to the Switch.
0: Yeah. But anyway, uh, back to what they announced. We went on quite a side tangent.
1: Yeah, sorry, that was a huge side tangent. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no.
0: It's good to talk about. Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrate, because God damn it, Final
1: Fantasy... Can you explain what that is to me? Because I don't understand.
0: So... Oh, this is a this is a confusing nightmare. Is
1: it just like some Kingdom Hearts level? Bull- you don't have to be specific. Is it just like a Kingdom Hearts level bullshit thing?
0: So, Integrade is essentially the PS5 version of the Final Fantasy VII Remake Part 1. With a Yuffie DLC, she comes to Midgard. Uh, she's one of the characters that you get outside of Midgard, so they've changed it okay. even, even more. Oh, well, yeah, they're already gone off script, so they don't give a fuck. Exactly. So apparently that's like two chapters. It's just going to be like extra size uh, content. You can only get this on the PS5. The PS4 version will skip the Yuffie DLC, which Sony's only brought out like 2000 PS5s. So who the fuck's going to be able to play this? Nobody for a really long time. Okay. They announced that for March, the PS Plus collection had... Final Fantasy 7 Remake. Okay. But if you got that from the PS Plus, you cannot get the free upgrade to the Final Fantasy 7 Remake for PS5. Where Enix is a dog shit company. Unlike if you have the physical version or if you have, you paid for the digital version. Those I i believe you both get free. why the hell? There's so much to explain. That's why don't I like... just
1: make people pay for the new content and just give them the update, for, like the fucking graphics update for free? I don't understand. I don't I can't explain Square. Hey, you X. don't have to explain. I'm I'm just like angry at how stupid this is.
0: Well, then they announced that there was going to be a mobile version in 2022 that basically it's gonna I guess en- encapsulate the entirety of Final Fantasy Seven, probably broken up into parts again. And then what? they announced the
1: battle royale of Final Fantasy Seven. Fuck is this Square has so much drugs? Who, why this is project why?
0: final fantasy 7 baby <laughs> it's going to be like this for 10 years 10 to 15 God. years they're going to i'm surprised final fantasy 16 is even in development i thought
1: they they just be milking final fantasy 7 forever at this point fucking jesus christ see i was going to play final fantasy 7 remake if it came to pc after everything i've heard about it i really don't want to and the more stuff that keeps happening the more i don't want to even touch this game it sounds like just a fucking trash fire if
0: it was just the free upgrade i think it would have worked better and then maybe if they said the DLC. and then you just
1: like charge 20 bucks for the dlc
0: yeah but it should have been it, it looks like it's playable on the ps4 that's part of the problem that people are finding because it's
1: like yeah well i why? bet sony probably fucking paid like hey can you give us some fucking ad space for this thing and sony was like yes but ps5 and they're like, okay that's not uncommon uh there's a lot of things that capcom has worked exclusively with microsoft on specifically because microsoft was would give them like advertising so they didn't have to pay for the advertising i think that's also why actually capcom does that a lot because they, they've released like fucking shit on nintendo systems exclusively as well so yeah, capcom really likes offloading the advertising onto like a specific console manufacturer, and then being like, alright, you pay for the advertising, we'll just put out the game. For examples, just look at the numerous games that have come out exclusively on one console and then later came to other consoles.
0: Yeah, no kidding.
1: Resident Evil 4, I think, was on the GameCube first, before it was on everything else.
0: Well, and, and like, that new Monster Hunter Rise. Uh... Yeah, it's
1: on the Switch before it's going to be on PC, which I think that was announced sometime between the last episode and this episode. I said, Monster Hunter, yeah. everyone fucking mark your frosty bingo cards. <laughs> <laughs> It'll probably come to everything after the exclusivity's over. I have thoughts on that, but we we're already I I don't want to keep fucking derailing stuff. <laughs> we'll go off the quick list. Uh Kenya Bridge of Spirits. Uh it's
0: apparently a, it's more of a budget title, so it's got like that $30, $40 price tag. So. Yeah.
1: I was gonna say it, it already has a pre-order on Epic Store for like $40 Canadian, I think.
0: House Mark showed off a little bit more of its returnal game. It's a roguelike. Because when you die, you crash land back on the planet, and then the game, the environment changes. That is a roguelike. Oddworld Soulstorm. It makes its way to PS5 and PS4 early April, and you'll get it free on PS Plus if you have a PS5 and not a PS4. Alrighty. The multiplayer dodgeball games, Knockout City. It got a slightly better trail. Oh. A much better trailer than it did at the Nintendo Direct, showing off some of the game mechanics. And it's priced at $20, so it's more of a budget title.
1: Yeah, EA fucking hates putting out free-to-play games, and I always feel like when they put out these smaller multiplayer games that benefit from being free-to-play, because then people could just, like, download them and try them. It's, like, not the first time they've done that, either. But I guess you could kind of get it for free if you already have EA Play because they usually put them on there too, so...
0: Yeah, if not, like, a little bit later, yeah. Finally, uh, something new. That has two jokes, because it's actually a new game, and fucking Craig has been dying over and over again in this recording.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we've been having some issues with our fucking recording software, to the point where it's like, hey, maybe we should actually switch over to both of us recording a local file, and then just I'll send mine over to Jason for editing afterwards.
0: Yeah. There'll be changes after the 13th episode. It was at this moment that he knew. He fucked up. Anyway. So, Sifu. It was announced for... seafood, Sifu. Not food. Sifu. Is a Chinese word for teacher? Yes. Uh, so it's like karate, karate teacher. From a, the Absolver uh, developer.
1: Okay, is Devolver punishing or Devolver pu- punishing <laughs> it again? <laughs> is Devolver
0: <laughs> publishing it again? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I was only really the teaser t- trailer for it. Mm, okay. It kind of looked like a kind of a corridor, like beat em up almost kind of slightly Yakuza style, but none of the, the charm, I'd say. Well, they're,
1: um, they're self-publishing it.
0: Cool. Solar Ash from the Hyper Light, a drifter developer showed off a bit more of its gameplay, focusing kind of on, like, movement and, like, uh, the action-oriented stuff in its world. Okay. Five Nights at Furry's Security Breach, I mean Freddy's Security Breach got a bit more shown. How is Five Nights at Freddy's not dead at this point?
1: Because people like uh, like my younger cousin exist. He grew up on that shit. He loves it. I don't get it. You don't have to. It's not you're not the target audience. (laughs) I suppose that's true. And
0: Deathloop got a bit more of a look at out of that.
1: So in this entire presentation, the only new big budget or not new, the only big budget game that's coming out like to the PlayStation 5 that they showed off is Deathloop.
0: Yeah, it's it's the major one that's exclusive to the PS5, yeah. And it's not even
1: holy shit.
0: Yeah, it's it's from Bethesda, who Microsoft bought. So (laughs) it's going to come straight to the Xbox Series X afterwards, once whatever exclusivity deal is up. It'll probably be a year. Yeah, probably a year.
1: Oh, hey, it's coming out on Steam in
0: May. Yeah, May 21st, twenty
1: first, oh, twenty twenty one. Fuck's sake! You need a fucking Bethesda account for it. God damn it! Yeah. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> Give them all your info. Yeah, I don't trust Bethesda's anything because of what Bethesda. Bethesda. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. so maybe it'll be like Doom, where I can fucking get away with not having it.
0: So, anyway, a lot of people were quite disappointed with that.
1: Bet they were. They didn't tell you anything new. And I, like I said before, they're probably not going to have anything new for a while. So, yeah, He's they got didn't... Deathloop and when is Sprocket and Clonk launch?
0: That's in like June. Okay. I'm
1: surprised afterwards. they didn't bother showing that off.
0: Yeah, they didn't show that off. I guess they'll kind of show it off maybe closer in May. I guess. I guess. Maybe they'll finally show off some Horizon Zero Dawn because the people were really hoping for that. And
1: nope. They're probably not. I know that it's, it's going to sound like weird. Just like that game came out in what, 2016?
0: 2016, 2017, yeah.
1: Yeah, and then the DLC was 2018?
0: A year is the year later.
1: Okay, it's so 2017. I would want to say they're probably not far enough along in development. Otherwise, they would have shown something off already. Like, I got to imagine they're like midstream, but if they haven't shown anything off, then I have to imagine that like development is not going along at a rapid enough pace for them to actually have that game out anytime this year
0: well it's currently targeted for uh, fall of 2021 that's what it, or late 2021 that's what it was saying
1: yeah and then late will become fucking early 2022 and then mid 2022 and yeah, so- sony's uh, not someone made a joke once like the sony delay station i thought that was funny and i still kind of think that's pretty funny but yeah, it happens. Like you know, it is what it is. It, a lot of games on PlayStation platform get delayed, so not yeah. unusual. I mean, and then people were hoping
0: for God of War, and that did That wasn't being. Yeah, shown. that's not
1: gonna fucking happen that, for a while. That's not coming out
0: this year. I can almost guarantee that's not coming out this year.
1: Well, did that come out in twenty sixteen? Twenty
0: eighteen, I think.
1: I don't. I don't actually know what year any game releases in.
0: With the power of Google.
1: I miss shit. So. 2018, yep. Oh, okay. That's got a farts chance in the wind of coming out this year.
0: Yeah. So what do we have to look for? Absolutely nothing on the PS5. Stop selling out so I can get one. You got no reason to even have one, man. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I think they actually put it perfectly on Twitter. It was the, the scarcity that's driving their desire Demand. to get it.
1: Yeah. It's elusive, which makes people want to get it because it's elusive. There's the whole reason why people bought Wii's.
0: <laughs> I mean, people bought Wii's
1: and there's no like people, people. didn't even have games they wanted playing the Wii. They just fucking played Wii sports: bowling, tennis, golf. Mostly just bowling.
0: I, th- I think I think tennis was actually either a close second,
1: but yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Is is we got anything else for state of play? I you know I'm not big on console stuff, so for me that just looked like a bunch of indie games that are also going to be on PC. And I'm sitting there like, man, if I had a PS5, I'd be pissed off right now.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, no, definitely, yeah it's like <laughs> no reason to
0: work. have one yet and there's no reason to have one at this time but the, what, what do we have to look forward on the Switch though is a bunch of Pokemon games because the same week uh, Pokemon was going to wrap up our kind of trilogy of directs disappointment?
1: and disappointment yeah <laughs> <laughs> well okay so I know a lot of people were really happy about the Pokemon one but Pokemon fans are like they eat garbage <laughs> and I can say that because for years I too ate garbage I was one of them. So Yeah. So, I, it's like it's like anime fans. It just, it just they'll just fucking take any shit they can get their hands on. This is my waifu this season. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so I didn't actually watch the presentation because I was working. I think you did. I was still
0: off. Yeah. So I did watch the presentation. I was early, or at least in my time
1: zone, early Friday. I got fucking meetings all morning, so I can't fucking watch that uh, shit. I gotta yeah. sit through some boring garbage instead. <laughs> So they showed off
0: Pokemon Snap. Or sorry, new Pokemon Snap. Sorry. Um, name. Can't forget the new. It's new. Did we tell you it's new? Thank God it's new. So they showed more off about that.
1: They're the show. It's just a fucking real shooter where you take pictures of Pokemon.
0: Okay, so we've been having terrible technical difficulties with Craig this episode so you're gonna notice we're gonna be recording a different
1: way so well like midway through he, he died like three or four times so we're using a piece of software in discord called craig and he's died like three or four times tonight so far after the last time he died i was like fuck it i'll just download a Dossity, and then i'll do a, a local recording and then jason has to figure out how to finagle that on top of the other recordings we've been doing so hopefully this isn't completely fucked <laughs> i'll I, do my best Podcast magic, just like Bioware, and be able to <laughs> hopefully resolve this. Uh, but we'll see. And I also don't know about like the sound levels on my side because I I quite literally did not tweak anything. I'm looking at it now, and I'm loud as shit. I probably need to tweak some stuff on my end, but we don't really have the benefit of, of that because we're we're doing it live. So Jason will probably have to finagle a bunch of shit on my recording this week. No. We'll do it live. <laughs> Fuck it. Yeah think you made a joke about the fact in the, the
0: previous recording that uh what game to show it's just an
1: yeah you know. it's just an unreal shooter so I, I was like what the fuck did they even sh- like why did they what new shit did they even need to show off uh, they showed off and then and we, we talked about how there was a fucking apple that they're not calling an apple <laughs> yeah
0: i'll I'll mention one more thing cuz that 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 was a weird tangent um they they got this glow thing that if you throw it at them the pokemon lights up so it during the night then oh, that's, okay that's cool you get different so, yeah, I should have actually mentioned that. Uh, I'm not gonna thank Craig for fucking up, because. Oh <laughs> well, whatever! God, don't it. yeah, don't fucking thank that degenerate piece of software. He he can no longer hurt us. Yeah, he can no longer hurt us. We banned <laughs> him from the server. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Anyway, so then after that, they showed off the great Sino remake. Yeah, they look like a fucking mobile game. Yeah, it
1: really did. So, yeah. It's apparently a one-to-one remake, which is very bad. Platinum is demonstrably way better than Diamond and Pearl for a number of mechanical reasons. I, re, mechanical and design reasons. And they're remaking Diamond and Pearl, which, just, like in my opinion, are the worst games in the entire franchise. So that's like a huge mistake, I think they were going to remake them, they should have implemented some of the changes Platinum had, specifically making Fantina the third gym leader instead of the fifth gym leader, and also having the improved Pokédex, because the Pokédex in that game is dog shit,
0: like, Mm -hmm. actually.
1: It is, yeah. I think... That this is a really misguided remake. I think that there's a lot of improvements that should have been applied to it. And if yeah, if it's a one to one remake, it's not going to be very good. Well, it's going to be as bad as the this Diamond and Pearl War, which is extremely in my opinion. So you know, and uh, not surprisingly, this was a game that
0: the Game Freak isn't actually developing like oh, yeah. in the in-house. it was offshore to a different company with oversight. From Game Freak, so of course the Sinnoh game got probably the worst treatment because it doesn't look like Pokemon Sword or Shield. It doesn't even have the same treatment that the Pokemon Let's Go games, yeah, got for the Gen One re re remake because they've released that quite a bit. Yeah, they've released Gen One a ton of times. They've milked the shit out of it. Yeah, and then after that, they kind of showed off the Breath a of the Wild ha- clone. Yeah, the Breath of the Wild clone. The Breath of Pikachu! Oh, sorry, Breath of Arceus.
1: Oh, that reminds me of a text based joke that I saw and I just remembered. It was a picture of the Diamond and Pearl remakes, and then it was The Legend of Arceus, or whatever the hell it's called. Yeah, and then it was like. Pokemon Legends Arceus. Which Pokemon game are you most excited for? The one that looks like The Legend of Zelda, or the one that looks like Legend of Zelda? And then, like, beside <laughs> the Diamond and Pearl one, they had the picture of, like, Lonk's Awakening. And then beside the Legend of Arceus one, they had Breath of the Wild. <laughs> that's clever. Yeah, I thought that was really funny. And, yeah, like you said, very clever as well. But, yeah, it's, like, the first time that Game Freak's actually making a new Pokemon game in uh 25 years? Yeah, this was the 25th anniversary. oh, I got it right. Didn't even watch the presentation. So, yeah, that's... That's a thing. Yeah, that's a thing that's happening. You it looks like you roam around an open world game, uh, open world environment rather, and you can like stealth and you can catch Pokemon and all the animations in the game look like dog shit. No one talked about that, but I, I don't know. I think it's the truth. I think some people have talked about it because definitely that frame rate was like... I'm not even talking about the terrible ass frame rate. I just like the way that the Pokemon were animated. They were like moving around the environment without actually having any kind of like animation to them. Yeah, hard to say. It looks like a Unity Tech demo or or like a fucking game made in... <laughs> uh, what's that? Dunkey made this joke. I'm just rehashing what he said, but what the fuck? What's that PlayStation thing that you can make games in? Dreams. Yeah, it looks like a fucking Dreams game. Like, as far as the way that the creatures were animated in the environments, I thought it looked really, really stiff, and they were just kind of like moving like along axes without actually being animated properly, move across them. Right. People can be angry at me if they want to. I didn't see anything from the trailers I watched after the fact that looks like you should get excited about it. I fully expect them to just fucking not deliver on what this looks like it is and people to be upset. Well, I expect some people to be upset and I expect other people to be like, this is what I've always wanted. And, I, and I'd be like, wow, you just, just eating that garbage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they made a garbage Pokemon, so. Yeah, every,
0: every Pokemon you know. fan is a Garbodor. <laughs> <laughs> so, Pokemon wrapped up, and um, that ended the Trilogy of Disappointment. With Nintendo Direct, State of Play, and the, the, that Pokemon Direct. So, yeah.
1: what a time to be alive. Yeah, what a time to be alive indeed. I think that the fact that people are not in the office in person means that, like, development, there's a lot less pressure to crunch, which is why a bunch of games are being like pushed back. It's because people aren't being like worked like a bunch of fucking like slave labor Mules, to actually yeah. get. Yeah, I guess meals is probably a, a more appropriate thing to say. But people are like not being pushed to their absolute like extreme limits to put out these fucking games on whatever the fuck schedule the business people decide on. Yep. I mean that's probably not a bad thing. It's just that means that unless you like indie games, fucking you got nothing to play right now, or not much of uh, of anything to play right now. So that's the kind of the big takeaway yeah nope you got yearly FIFA and Madden
0: and all those games to keep you company yeah at least in October anyway we've been talking enough and we've been distracted by Craig quite a bit Thomas had a question
1: yeah Thomas's question so Thomas asks oh geez hold on let me see here <laughs> no I'll just read <laughs> ver- I'll read it verbatim it's a couple sentences but I'll read it verbatim because it gives context Thomas says and asks more of a discussion point thing but I've been playing a fantastic FPS game by a smaller developer called Project Warlock. When I look at the Steam community page, there is very little content by Steam standards. With so many games constantly being released these days, we know how important word of mouth is to small developers, but as the player, if you enjoy one of these smaller games, do you feel obligated to publicly sing it praises? Is this kind of public support just as valuable to smaller developers as actually purchasing their game? So it's kind of like a more of a broad discussion point but yeah, do you mm-hmm. feel obligated to sing praises to small games that you really enjoy? And uh, how valuable do you think that is versus just purchasing the game?
0: I would say I don't feel obligated. Because, I mean, when you're buying a, like a game, a service product, I and mean, you never have to feel obligated to yeah, sing its praises. Mm-hmm. At least in my opinion. If a game does kind of get to that level, though, I will kind of do word of mouth like my friends family uh, co-workers etc i wasn't much of a person who liked to use social media like i got facebook when i was in early university because my parents were like you can't use that facebook it's bad for you and and then i got it in university because they're like well we can't control you anymore that's hilarious i I didn't really understand the hubbub about it in in high school when i maybe it's just because i got to disconnect from it for so long yeah. I never
1: understood it. I didn't have Facebook until college, either. <laughs> and I only signed up with for it because I had a summer job where I met a bunch of people, and the only way I could keep in contact with them was through Facebook. So I was like, well, I guess I need this fucking piece of shit now. I don't even use it that much anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, now it's either Discord or Twitter. Yeah, I only use Twitter because of my fucking blog, and I actually like Discord, uh, a Skype replacement. It does a few things a little bit better than Skype does, and it's not as bloated. It also doesn't have ads inside of it, which is nice. Yet. Well, if they put ads in, I'll probably Trump figure out... To... they will give you ads. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I figured out how to b- get rid of the ads in Skype. If you go into Windows, you could, or your Internet Explorer, you could actually blacklist the IP that the ads came from, and then they wouldn't come up in Skype anymore. It'd just be an empty white box where the ad was supposed to be, which is hilarious. <laughs> hmm. But yeah, anyway, getting back to the
0: question. Yeah. No, I don't feel obligated, but I definitely will do
1: word of mouth if it's a a game that i really really like uh what about you i have a fucking blog what do you think the answer for me is (laughs) i i started that blog primarily because i felt like a lot of games that were great that were really small weren't getting any attention from anyone and i said i want to fucking shout about it at people and did it work that's part of no not really um So that's part of the reason why I started the blog. So when I play a game that I think is really good, I want people to know that I think this game is really good because if they have never heard of it, it might be something they would enjoy. I want them to know about it because there's like a lot of games that come out on Steam that aren't necessarily like the best thing you're ever going to play, right? Like for every Hades that comes out that everyone fucking knows about, there's like a hundred games that are like not of the same level of quality, but they're like good games. They're not, they're not crap tier games. They're like enjoyable. They're just more niche products that you might not have even heard of before. I even have trouble finding those games too, right? So it's very I think it's very important and very valuable for people who find these like really niche, really small games to be like, Hey, here's this game that does these very specific things really well and if you like these very specific things, you will really like this game because you might not fucking find that shit on your own. I like to mm-hmm. share that when I find a game where I'm like, Oh man, this game does like like I said, like this very specific type of thing really well. I think, like, one good example of that is Baba Is You. That's not exactly the most fucking well-known puzzle game. I, I think more recently it got picked up a little bit, but it's, like, one of the best games that came out in 2019, and a ton of people don't even fucking know what it is. No, I mean, I the only time I heard about it was from you. Yeah, exactly, and that's why I fucking wrote about it. It did get an entire video from Mark Brown of Game Maker's Toolkit, which I think caused a lot of people who were not already aware of it to know it because he has an audience of over like a million people now. But yeah, I was on that fucking train at the beginning of the year when it came out in 2019. Fantasy Strike was another game I was fucking shouting from the the rooftops about because I thought it was really good as a fighting game that had the tools and the structure to actually teach people about how to get to like the meta level of fighting games. With that, I haven't gone and played any other fighting games, but I was thinking of going back and trying to play Skullgirls. We did have a piece of news that we we're going to talk about with it, but it got cut because fucking the recording's are all shitty. So you can just Google; you'll find the news. I was Thinking of maybe going back and trying some other fighting games with that, those fundamentals that I'd gained from playing almost 500 hours of Fantasy Strike, right? So that's like another game where I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, like this is a very this game fills a very niche like pocket right so it's like it, for people who want to enjoy fighting games but have had a really hard time getting over the barrier like i did this is a game that will, like it'll help give you the tools it'll help teach you the skills that you need to even get started understanding the language of fighting games so that when you play another fighting game like it speaks to you you can actually receive what it's saying and understand what it's saying
0: yeah i mean like one game that like i would kind of play would be like the Shin Megami Tensei games.
1: Oh, yeah. Those, those are, weren't those really are popular at the niche. time. Yeah. They were very niche. I still think they are. The only one that wouldn't mm-hmm. be is Persona, which is like a spinoff that overtook Shin Megami Tensei proper. Yeah, <laughs> for, for sure. But it definitely has helped to elevate the series as a whole. Oh, yeah, for sure. People actually are like, what does SMT even mean? Um, and some people mm-hmm. have, like, I think, discovered it because of that. And they're like, oh, this is the series that like Persona is from. Like it's, That's what it's a spinoff from. yeah. But yeah, I'm like very big on when I when I find a game that I think is like really really good, I will try to to champion it a little bit, even if only like a few people end up listening. I still try to do that kind of stuff for the games that I really like. As for how important I think it is, it depends. For some games, it's not as important. It's like a nice to have kind of thing. So like for Babage, you you know, it's a nice to have kind of thing. It's a single player game. It has a, a set price. It's not dependent on other people and that's me foreshadowing what I'm going to lead into with my next point but like so it's not like a huge deal if a lot of people play it or if not, if it doesn't really catch on if it doesn't really catch on it's like okay well you know people maybe weren't as interested in this product whatever but I had fun making like the developer could say like I had fun making it for Fantasy Strike it mattered a whole lot that's a fucking online game Telling other people about it and getting a bigger player base is absolutely 100% like, more valuable than buying the fucking game. So much so that when it like launched into free-to-play, the developers are like, please go tell your friends to try this game now that it's free and it doesn't cost them anything to fucking download the game and try it. It's really like a context-based thing, right? Where it's like, okay, if it's an online game, then I think it's a lot more valuable because, you know, a lot of the time online games will take off because of word-of-the-mouth kind of stuff. Where, you know, for maybe, like, a single-player offline game, probably still helpful, but, like, I wouldn't say it's as essential.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that, because there's been some times where developers have kind of sent out, like, the codes for the games out to, like, popular streamers. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, uh, influencers, what they're called. And even though they show it off on their channel, like, even if it's, like, someone who has, like, millions of subscribers, even hundreds of thousands it depends on the type of game whether that will work to help kind of elevate the sales and sometimes it just doesn't work at all like i remember i think it was like jacksepticeye he played this game then the developer kind of cried afterwards going i didn't get nearly as many sales as i wanted by having him like show it off he had like got like three million views off of it and i got like 30 sales at most
1: yeah i forget what game that was but i remember that article that developer was really fucking salty about how, yeah, like small the conversion rate was on Jack's the views versus how many sales they could potentially yeah, yeah. attribute to that video. Mm-hmm. I don't what fuck Hold on, can we go? I that? don't remember the game. I just remember, yeah, that's old that, ass that news. That But let's see here. Dev complains. <laughs> oh, there we go. Jack guy Here we go, Jack. It's okay if you don't find it. Yeah, I can't. I can't fucking find don't it. Don't worry I about th- it. Google has brought up the video for Game Dev Tycoon. I don't think it was that one. I think it's doing that because of me having the word dev in the search term, but, like, I don't think that has anything to do with it. But, yeah, it's, like, a story from fucking, like, way back in, like, twenty. I want to say 2017, 2018. Because I remember yeah, reading that and being like, well, I mean, like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if not enough people think your game looks good, then even... If a game yeah, looks more fun it. to watch than it is to play, like, Goat Simulator was like that. Goat Simulator is not a fun <laughs> game to play. It is not. I don't. If you like it, good for you. I think it's a dog shit game to play. But it is hilarious to watch certain people fucking play that game. I remember watching the Game Grumps video for it and thinking that was the funniest shit. And then I played the game for, like, two hours and was like, well, I'm bored now. This game is not very fun. <laughs> yeah, no, I played it as well. Yeah. same Same kind of experience? Same kind of experience, yeah. Yeah, The Amazing Frog, upwards inflection there for the the question mark at the end was the same kind of way, where it's like that game looks looked like it was fucking hilarious when the Game Grumps were playing it, but I'm like, yeah, this game is probably like Goat Simulator, where if I actually play it, I'm going to be like, what am I even doing? <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. Ultimately, I feel like the, this kind of thing comes down to a person-by-person basis. I wouldn't say that I feel obligated to sing praises for things, but I when I find a game that I really enjoy... I have like that yeah, passion for it. I want to actually go out and like introduce people who may not have heard about the game to this game so that they can play and enjoy it. I think Crosscode was like another example of that. Like it's a hybrid between like a JRPG and an action RPG. The story is like very JRPG but actually good instead of actually crap, which is what most of them are. Spicy fucking opinion there. You can cross that off your frosty bingo cards.
0: <laughs>
1: and the combat is like a Diablo-style ARPG. And then it's got, like, Zelda-style dungeons. It's a fucking fantastic game. I think that way more people need to play that fucking game. Like, if, if you like good JRPGs, play fucking CrossCode. If you like Zelda-style games, play CrossCode. Like, it's, just fu- it's a fucking awesome game. It blends so many excellent elements from other games seamlessly together and just makes this fucking fantastic product. I mean, they even just released, like, the final content update onto Steam, which has, like, the true post-epilogue story finisher thing which I've been waiting like three years to actually see. So I think I might end up replaying that game sometime this year so that I can experience the whole story again and then finally see the epilogue to the story. Cool. Yeah, that's something I do, like that was just came up in my fucking like Steam news feed this morning. And I was like, oh shit. Yeah, that's definitely something that I want to check out. But yeah, that'll be coming to consoles at some point, I assume, in the future we were talking about how patching works differently on PC and console uh, earlier in the podcast but i think it's a great game i think more people should play it so yeah no i agree i think that me and other people screaming about how it's a good game within reason can be helpful for small developers i think that like there's a threshold when you go from being like helpful to obnoxious i saw that with fantasy strike some people got very obnoxious with how they were trying to like push the game to people and i'm like well these people are just going to not play the game out of spite now Portal, Undertale, (laughs) fucking Persona, those games all have fan bases, I would say, that can uh, err on the side of obnoxiousness. Yeah, I'd agree. You know, that's like, I can see some people just not wanting to play those games, just because they're like, ah, fuck these people. (laughs) Do you have any more thoughts on this? Nope. Okay. Between the news we had, and Craig fucking up a million times, we had another viewer question. Thank you, Maz, for submitting it. We'll get to it next week. Yeah, we had sorry. so many fucking stupid things happen this week. I don't even know how long this podcast is gonna be, or what is even gonna sound like. So, uh, yeah. We're move on to the games we've been playing. We'll do the the question that Mass has next week, which is a great. It's a great question as well. It also has some funny, goofy shit in it, but. Yeah, no, it's funny. So I've been trying to finish up a few articles for the blog, and when I am writing about games, I try not to play new games because I don't want to overwrite the ideas I have about the games that I wanted to write about. So because of that, I haven't really been playing a lot of stuff. I did delve more into Hitman 2. Had I played the Columbia level on the last podcast, or had I just played Miami? Miami. Okay. So I played the Columbia level, Santa Fortuna. And I played some of Mumbai last weekend was a bit of a shit show. So I didn't get to put as much time into Mumbai as I would have liked. I would say only about like halfway through my exploration of Mumbai. I'm still having a lot of fun with it. I recently watched a video by Adam Millard about all, like, Hitman 1, 2, and 3, where he talks about how great those games are, and one of the parts in his video describes how the levels are laid out using IO Interactive's terms for them. So they will call levels either snail houses, because apparently they're shaped like a snail shell. Those are, like, the more open ones where the targets roam. And then there's fortresses, which are the ones where you have to, like, infiltrate them and the target's usually, like, barricaded in. Hmm. I guess one of the things he says is like the best levels are the ones that are like a healthy balance between being a snail house and being a fortress. And I would agree. Miami is like the best level I've played so far in Hitman 2. And it's like the one half of the racetrack where Sierra roams around is a snail house. And then where Robert is located is a fortress. So you get like both types of those like level designs. With Columbia, it's just three fortresses that are separated by not a lot in between. So I didn't like columbia as much and then mumbai is more of like like it's got a lot more of the snail house kind of thing going on with the one target and then like the two other targets like the one's kind of like a little bit of a roamer but it's, he's still like kind of in his like a bit of a fortress but it's not super hard to get into because there's a ton of different pathways you can take up to him and then the other one is just like not in a super heavily guarded fortress type area so i like that a lot better so i i definitely after having heard that and thinking about what kind of like levels i enjoy the most in hitman i i definitely seem to like the ones that are more trending towards like the snail house design where the targets roam around and aren't super heavily guarded i'm not big on when i have to infiltrate an area and like take out a target when they're like being guarded by like a million people so that's probably why i didn't enjoy santa fortuna that much whenever i wasn't in the areas where the targets actually are was just like running around so it's just like, oh, this is fun. Like, it's like... Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't like that level as, as much just because it, it felt like it was just like, you're just flip-flopping between two extremes where you're just like, okay, you're out in the open and nobody cares what you're dressed as or what you're doing. And then when you're, like, in their enclosed areas, suddenly it's like everyone, anytime you, like, fart, everyone, like, looks at you and is like, you're not supposed to be here. <laughs> <laughs> so... I mean, um, probably the better parts of like
0: the, the fortress like levels would be the ones that are really condensed yeah
1: or like have like the like multi layers in them right mumbai and
0: the the spanish uh, location they're really fucking big
1: well mumbai seems really big but like once you get a feel for it it's not very big it's just like a lot of the level just looks really similar which is like its own problem i like mumbai better than columbia so far but I still feel like Miami is leagues ahead of both of those levels. So it's it's very unfortunate that the best level in the game so far was basically right at the beginning of the experience. So everything that has come after that just looks worse by comparison. I hope that, because I have levels 5 and 6, and then like I bought the gold edition because you said to get the gold edition. Mm -hmm. There's like a 7 and 8. So I have four levels. To go, I don't know anything about yet. To go through, I hope that there's a level, at least a level or two that are like kind of in the same vein as Miami. Hopefully, one that is close to. Th- I've heard that Miami is the best level in the game, so.
0: I- yeah, I think Miami is the best level in the game, but I, I at least really like the neighborhood level. Okay. I, it's in it's in the U.S. I think. Okay. But. And yeah, then there's that it's, the it's, lighthouse it's level.
1: level with the storm that you talked about in our game of the year episode. Yeah, the, that's the resort well. location.
0: Yeah, that's more of... I'd say it's... it's because there's three targets. It's yeah. two parts nail house and then one fortress.
1: Okay, I could I could dig that. It's like I'm not I opposed think, to the fortress. I think
0: that, w- that would be the comparison, yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm not, I'm not opposed to the design. I just don't like when it's like the only thing that's used in the level and then it's separated by a bunch of fucking nothing. The Columbia level it is. There's just like a lot of nothing between the three fortresses, which sucks.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's not like the worst thing in the world. It was still fun to play through. It just wasn't as fun as Miami, right? Which is, you know, we just said it's probably the best level in the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's really the big thing I've been sinking more time into. For your frosty bingo cards, I also popped in the Sleigh of the Spire briefly and played a number of runs in that. I had fun with it. One of the things that is very interesting, in a, in a world where I've played Hades, you can mark your bingo card for that, and it's more action-oriented. I felt like in Hades you have a lot more control over the outcome of your run. You can get complete dog shit drops, but you can still win in Hades. At least I found that you could still win in Hades regardless of what kind of shit I got in the run. Certainly it was easier or harder based on getting like a really good combo, but I could still brute force my way through by just like playing really really well. In Slay the Spire, if you don't draft a good like wombo combo in your deck, then at least in the higher Ascension levels, you lose. In that way, it's like, oh man, this is like, this feels a little bit more luck dependent. I can't just force my way through this by playing really well if I don't have like a good combo in my deck by about the middle of the run. Like, that run's probably not going to make it much further than it's going. And I get like that finding those like crazy combos is like a big part of the game, but it's it still it doesn't feel as good as Hades where it's like, Oh yeah, I can just like action my way through all the problems in this game. <laughs> what would be
0: like your recommended kind of level difficulty for that? Because 'Cause isn't it like twenty or so? Yeah,
1: Slate so Spire goes up to twenty ascension levels. I would say don't ever yeah. go any higher than fifteen. That's when most of the player base agrees that the game gets too luck dependent. Honestly, I think it depends on the player because like some people can play like Jet from in third person. I know he's played that game as much as I have really and he's never I don't think really ever delved into the Ascension levels so he just enjoys playing it on its default difficulty and I'm a bit sweatier than he is so I've played it up to (laughs) Ascension like for me my sweet spot is like around Ascension 6 to 10 somewhere in there depending on the character. That's where I like it the best, because it makes the enemies hit a little bit harder, so I have to play a little bit more carefully. When it gets a little bit higher, then I also have, like, a you start with, like, a garbage card in your deck that you have to account for as well. Which, there's just extra wrinkles in things, so I find that more compelling, but obviously not everyone else is going to find that, like you know, as enjoyable as I do, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it's really dependent on the person, but yeah, I'd st- I for me, the sweet spot is de- or I guess the one thing like ascension 1 adds extra elites onto the map and I would say that like that is probably the sweetest sweet spot because you can just like raffle stomp the elites in the base difficulty because that's just it, it adds more elites. So they don't hit harder and they don't have extra health, which is what they get in higher ascensions. And when that is the case, you can just get like a ton of relics really, really, really early on in your run, and then just raffle stomp the rest of the run, which is a great way to get the secret ending with every character. There's a Frosty Light pro tip for you. (laughs) Cool. I also have been playing a little bit of Monster Hunter in preparation for a couple of collaboration type streaming things but that's as promised you wouldn't talk about monster more you liar i already mentioned rise so (laughs) um but yeah that's as much as i'm gonna say about that i've just been practicing to make sure my skills are are sharpened up for those two streaming collab things i'm gonna be working on in the in the coming weeks and slash or months so That sounds cool. I'm really excited about it. One is uh, like a single session where I play the game with Pete from later levels and hopefully teach him a little bit about it. If he likes it enough, he might continue playing it. And the other was for a collab with Megan Plays Games. Or I should just say Megan from Megan Plays Games. Uh, Sorry, Megan, if you listen to the podcast. She's like a FromSoft game expert. When I've been watching how she plays... Sekiro on her streams. I'm like, man, you like know all of these bosses to a T. You know, like exactly when to <laughs> do all these. It's crazy. She'll get through most of these bosses without taking a hit, or she'll only get hit once because she's practiced them so much. And I think that she would really enjoy Monster Hunter. It's just that Monster Hunter is more complicated control wise than Soft's games are. Those they're usually dodge and block and hit and that's all you have to worry about there's no like combos or anything
0: that'd be correct
1: yeah which is something that monster hunter has going on and i know that she wrote a review post some point i forget when about playing devil may cry 5 and really enjoying it and i thought that devil may cry 5 was like a little too basic or it starts off a little too basic so i didn't enjoy it as much because i, I felt like half of the game was just like really watered down I had the thought of, okay, well, I've never played Dark Souls, and my biggest problem with Dark Souls is that, like, there's a huge learning barrier for, like, the technical side of things. I can combat my way through stuff, but, like, I get really irritated when I look at a game and I can't figure out, like, what its systems are or what its stats are. And if the answer is to go to a fucking wiki page for everything, that pisses me off. But if I have a Sherpa who can explain things to me as I'm going through, that won't piss me off as much, because I can be like, what's this? And they can explain it to me, right? And then I'm like, if you did that for me, what if I did the same thing for you while you're playing like Monster Hunter so I can like teach you how to do like combos and shit and like get over some of like the crazier, dumb, not explained very well shit that's in Monster Hunter. So that was the idea I had. And I hadn't actually brought this up anywhere else. But we did agree that it was something we wanted to do as like a collaboration type thing. So I'd be streaming Dark Souls and she'd be like teaching me how to play Dark Souls. And I, she'd be streaming Monster Hunter while I teach her how to play like Monster Hunter. So cool. Yeah, I thought that was a really neat idea. I think it'll be really fun to do, especially because I kind of always wanted to get into FromSoft's other games. So
0: Yeah, Dark Souls is a good one to start with. I think you could probably skip two because that's...
1: Yeah, I, I was just—I was probably just going to do, like, just Dark Souls, just the once. <laughs> the only thing that sucks is that, like, the remaster only runs at 30 FPS because the game's physics and shit are tied to the frame rate. It doesn't even run at 60 on, on PC, but well, whatever. Oh dear, I didn't know that. It's, it's the reason why Bloodborne doesn't run at 60 either. They tied fucking game logic to the the frame rate. If it was at 60, everything would move twice as fast. <laughs> That just sounds like extra
0: hard mode. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, because it's <laughs> some, like
1: some fans would like that actually. Probably there's
0: e- now there's easy mode and there's hard mode. Yeah,
1: well that's just it. It's like one of those things where normally having 60 FPS means that you have twice as many frames of like animation to react to something. If the game's programmed to run at 30 FPS only, when you run it at 60 internally the logic of the game still runs the same so it just a, everything just looks like way the fuck faster <laughs> and moves way the fuck faster it's it's pretty ridiculous there's a, a ton of bad japanese game ports on steam that that are like that i remember before monster hunter actually got on steam there was like a off-brand monster hunter kind of game i can't remember the name of it it was a vita port though and uh oh and there's god eater not that i know what god eater is Something to start with a T. I'm sure there's some people who okay. immediately already um, know what it is based on that description are shouting at their fucking whatever device they listen to this podcast on <laughs> with the name. I think Tokidon sounds like kind of what I think it is, but I don't think that's the right name. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Am I right? It's, it's about fighting demons. Yeah.
0: No, I think you're right. Or at least it's something if you're not pronouncing it right, you're saying it close enough. Yeah.
1: Or tokiden or something. Yeah. But yeah, Biscuit did a port report on that game. He was running it on his FreeSync monitor with an uncapped frame rate. So the game was running at like 140 to 160 frames per second or some shit. The monsters were just like flying across the screen and the <laughs> character was just doing like a Sonic the Hedgehog run everywhere <laughs> because the game oh was programmed to run at 30 FPS. So like when the frame rate was increased, everything just fucking moved faster. That sounds incredible. Yeah, so like I just like the monsters were just like flying or demons or whatever were just like flying all over the screen and like yeah, like your character did like a Sonic run everywhere. It was fucking hilarious. Not good because people were spending money on this product that clearly didn't work, but also hilarious because it's just like, what is this? What the fuck is going on? Anyway, I've spent enough time talking about things that don't actually matter for the games we've been playing. What have you been playing, Jason?
0: I've been playing some Marvel Spider Man did my second playthrough. I going to say again, and yeah, you just, you just answered that. <laughs> yeah. This, this I, is the trophy I, run? Uh, this is the DLC and a new game plus and a difficulty trophy run. Okay. It never goes down below the $25 price tag, and I was just like, eh, you know what? I feel like Spider-Man, but I don't feel like paying for the Spider-Man Morales game just quite yet, so this is going to whet that appetite. Yeah. So, it really does make you feel like Spider-Man, <laughs> Oh my god, get the fuck out.
1: <laughs> At its core, Insomniac Games' adventure strives to make you feel like Spider-Man.
0: Thank you, IGN. But yeah, so I hadn't ever played the DLC, so I guess I'll mostly talk about uh, kind of that. You say DLC, you mean the Miles Morales stuff, right? No, no, no. There's a season pass with the original Spider-Man game. Oh. It's like called like The, the City That Never Sleeps, and it's all about this kind of power struggle over... New York that's happened because of the events in the first game like it's set like I don't know like three months six months afterwards so there's actually a little bit of story that could be necessary for the sequel I don't really know there was a couple characters who changed quite drastically with their motivation like like one was I actually I shouldn't probably say it because that's spoiler yeah I might not want to get into that for spoiler spoilerinos yeah, so I'll I'll skip by that, but anyway, uh, they change quite drastically over the course of those events, and I wouldn't be surprised if you kind of needed to know that for whenever Insomniac releases Spider-Man
1: 2, Two whatever Electric name they Boogaloo. give that.
0: Electric Boogaloo, sure. <laughs> so I'd say this DLC is about like a 5 to 10 hour campaign. It's over like three portions, so first one's kind of focusing on... A heist with Black Cat and kind of interactions with her and... What the fuck is Black Cat? A jewel thief, basically. Is that like the Marvel version of Catwoman? No, she looks kind of... well, maybe. Is it a woman walking around in a black gimp suit? No, you're right, you're right. I'm sorry. I don't know
1: superhero things, man. Neither do I.
0: Then the second one is about this mobster called Hammerhead. He's got a piece of metal in his head, so he basically will headbutt anyone and basically kill them that way. Okay. Well, <laughs> That's <laughs> All right. He's picking people up in one of the scenes and just going, you're dead. <laughs> it's my vibranium skull or whatever. So he's hammerhead because he's, he's like a hammerhead shark or? He looks very deformed. Yeah. Or is it, Okay. <laughs> and then the third one is kind of dealing with some of the fallout from the second one. And I'll skip that one. Cause it's kind of the climax of that whole story arc. All right. Overall, the DLC is pretty good. I think for the thirty or forty dollar price tag, it would have been quite disappointing. What the DLC does is it doesn't really improve over the main game, which is kind of a problem. Like it's it's good, but it's not like it doesn't reach the same level that the yeah, the main doesn't, campaign does. It doesn't hit the same heights. Yeah, it doesn't say the yeah, the same heights, it doesn't the same story beats. And I guess you really it's it's harder to do that with I guess the the way they kind of episodically released it in chunks okay whatever and then I played an ultimate difficulty playthrough but I already had my character like fully maxed out so it was pretty easy so yeah yeah, I guess it makes (laughs) sense one thing that was kind of funny was uh, you notice that there's a pacing problem when you're just doing story missions because Spider-Man will be like, "Oh, I gotta go around the city," and then, like even the game will tell you you should go do some side stuff. And I'm like, I'm just finishing the main story, and then it'll just you just have to wait for it to give you the next story beat. Like even a new game plus, when it really should just be like you go to the next story beat, you go to the next story beat if you really feel like it. That's interesting. So there's a bit of a pacing problem. Like, it's not too bad because it's like maybe like four to five minutes and then the next story mission will come up and you're, you're just kind of swinging around anyway, maybe collecting a few things. So it's not the worst, but it does break the flow. And I didn't notice that in my first playthrough because well, I would had, do the stuff. Yeah, I was going to say stuff. you had shit to do. Yeah, you had shit to do. But yeah, on a new game plus, it doesn't really work as well if you were just strictly focusing on finishing story missions which those are definitely the highlights this really was kind of the arkham of the spider-man games and insomniac knew what the hell they were doing with the spider-man license because controlling spider-man it really does make you feel like spider-man
1: ah i did it twice the only good modern marvel game to come out yeah that's a shot against the mobile games and that trash fire that crystal dynamics released
0: uh you want to know something funny about that Avengers game?
1: They made it even worse? They've made it even worse. Yeah, I, M- Maz sent me the headline mm. for that.
0: Yeah, I was going to save that. But yeah, no, they are going to make it more grindy. Yeah, that's fucking, that's and a great thing to do. the cosmetics are going to be less random. And I'm like, that's a great thing to do in a fucking what? game that's already having a hard time retaining players. Yeah, make the grind to get to level whatever the cap is. Let's say it's 50, even bloody harder. Like, yeah. god damn, I don't know what the hell they're doing with that license. Neither it's... do they. yeah. <laughs> It was a shitty time to release anyway, because it was it's COVID, and clearly it needed a lot more polish, because... Yeah. What was it? The, the Hulk said, disgruntled grunt. Oh, and, like, yeah, the speakers, fucking, The robot voice. Uh, text to speech Disgruntled grunt. <laughs> it was just missing. Yeah. Oh, my God. That was... That's the funniest thing to come out of that game. You should just uh. the fucking <laughs> grunt. You don't need to have text-to-speech say that it is happening. Oh, man. What oh, Breath of the Wild? Hmm?
1: You, playing Breath of the Wild. Oh,
0: I actually didn't Again, end up getting to play Breath of the Wild. I forgot about that game. Don't get mad. And
1: that's a good sign. Fans, Holy fuck.
0: I guess got distracted by some other games. Like I said, that's a good sign. Well, yes and no. I played Twin Breaker, a sacred symbols adventure. Oh, for fuck's sake. Do you really need to mention that? <laughs> oh, no, I'm mentioning it. Uh, this is my therapy session from it. <laughs> I really don't fucking like this game. It... I don't think it handles very well. It was... So it, why I bought it was because it was on an indie sale on PlayStation. And I thought I'd give it a try because it was like more than half off. The levels where there's only the two panels, uh, I think those kind of, for the most part, work. The ones where there are four, so I'll explain. It's a brick breaker there's game, one, right? Yeah, it's a brick breaker game. I, yeah, I should have explained. So the four panels, there's... Two like horizontally and then two vertically. And you'll have to control the left stick that controls both one of the upper ones and then one of the down ones, going like left to right and up and down, and then vice versa on the other side. What the fuck? and my my stupid caveman brain can't fucking figure it out like i like when the ball is just going wherever the fuck it wants like i cannot react those were the hardest levels to finish and there's like i think 10 of them and i fucking despised them <laughs> like there's just so hard to like figure out i don't think the power ups are really all that like they're fine but they're not that good there's this scarab or this like this monster that will home in on your panel and it will punish you By lowering your score, making it slower, and making it shorter. And it's, like, it homes in on you. And if the ball's just gonna be, like, near the the scarab, then you're already fucked. So it doesn't feel very, like, fair at all.
1: You were also saying in the chat before we were talking about this game, you, like, get fucked over by the power-ups in some levels. Where like you you yeah. play a level and then fail it, and then if you just got like a different configuration of power ups, oh yes, in the future run you just you just breeze through it, and it's like well okay that's all right. <laughs> yeah, thank you for reminding me. Yeah, if you just
0: had like a really lucky setup because the powers power ups are all random. You could yeah just get like an A rank, but like you could be playing that like for thirty more thirty more times and just get like C or whatever the other ranks are, and just be like oh for the love of God please end. Because there's some that are, like, face through every brick and it'll just destroy it. And so instead of having to hit it, like, five times, it's just, like, a heavy ball. And it'll just get rid of them all. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. But I didn't get it on any of my first, like, five runs that I was trying to get through this level. Thanks? Like, thanks for being that fucking random. Yeah. It's probably the main reason why Brickmaker Games pretty much died. I think the last time I ever
1: played one was on a Blackberry. So that's how fucking dead it is. is. Cause Well, so... Whenever there's randomness in a game, if the player has a meaningful way to interact with it, then it won't be upsetting for them, right? But whenever they don't, then it's, like, really annoying. Mm-hmm. So, like, if something is random, but then the player has time to, like, respond to it in a meaningful way, it won't be frustrating. Or if there's, like, things that are telegraphed enough to where it doesn't feel like they're super random, then it that tends to not piss people off either. It's, like, I just can't, if you have random power-ups, and there's no meaningful way for players to, like, get through a level without, you know, like, needing those power-ups, then there's a smart version of the way to say what I'm trying to say, and I'm sure that most people listening will have figured it out already, but I can't, <laughs> I just can't fucking figure it out right now. <laughs>
0: well, yeah. And part of my problem is, I don't remember if Brick Breaker ever had a fucking time limit on it, so, like, you have a time limit it's of, like, three minutes. It's an arcade game,
1: so probably?
0: Maybe. But, like, it's got three minutes, and then, like, things on the side will just come out and destroy the rest. And, like, if they, those destroy the other bricks, then you lo- lose points. And you have to have a positive score, because you can't actually get a negative score in Brick Breaker, apparently, like, at least in this one. Oh, okay. Like, at one level, I just gave up, and it was just, like, negative 400, and I'm like, okay, that's fine. You can't aim the ball at the beginning. Like, I can't go, I want to go that way. You have to, like, kind of position and roughly know what angle it's going to go on. And sometimes it just, at least, I don't have a good feeling of it. So it just veers off to
1: the left and fucking goes ape shit. You want your balls that way? (laughs) The hit single from the 90s boy band, the Backstreet Boys? (laughs) I don't remember that one at all. That is a joke that, like, fucking two people are going to (laughs) get. I didn't get it. Yeah, that's that's only
0: one of us in this, so that's who's fine. the other
1: lucky one? No no, I mean like two people listening are gonna understand that. I uh, Maybe more, I don't oh, know. Well. But yeah, so you really fucking hated this game. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's definitely on
0: my uh shittiest games. That of I have the year played list. this year. Yeah, no, it's
1: definitely on the top. Did you so- sorry, what like was it Colin Colin Moriarty, Colin Moriarty. The... and I was gonna say, did you know that Colin Moriarty was like at least partially involved in the game before buying it? Do you even know who that is?
0: No, I know. He was in. He was part of IGN at one point. Yeah, and
1: then he broke off into Kind of Funny, and then he left Kind of Funny, and over
0: Does his own thing. Hashtag drama alert. He does a podcast now yeah. called a Sacred Symbols. Yeah. That's where this game kind of, or at least its title, is from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he- uh... And then Chris Reagan, cause which, which I like his content. It's it's pretty funny sometimes.
1: I'm not familiar with Reagan stuff, but I, I knew who Colin was already. I know some people who've played this game because it was made by him, and they were like, oh, it's like, okay, or Thomas, regular listener, and question, asker on the <laughs> podcast, said it was fucking dog shit, <laughs> so... Thomas, we're in agreement, woohoo! <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, so, I'll move on from that, because that game, I know.
1: <laughs> Fuck this game.
0: Yeah, so, I played a game called Evil Land.
1: I actually know what this, this is
0: and yeah, you said you knew what this was. This is a game where you basically get game mechanics throughout the adventure. So at like, I'll give it a kind of brief description of the first area in the first game. You only have the ability to, to go right, and then you pick up a chest, and then that one says, you can go left now. Then then there's another chest, and then you get that chest, and it says, okay, you can move in all four directions. So with getting the chest... You progressively get more gameplay, so it'll start like off in like two D, no textures, like black and white, and then it's like, oh, you got the color. Now you got the music. Now you got this, that, this, that, and eventually it gets into part where you're in three D, kind of the, the same style as um, like Final Fantasy VII, where there's the backgrounds that
1: are already preset. Yeah, it takes the name Evo Land very literally, so it's like mm-hmm. you slowly evolve. In the same way that games have evolved over the period of like, what's it like twenty or thirty years? I don't know how far in it gets, but it starts off from like roughly bumble yeah, bumblefuck nothing to like. I know it finishes somewhere in three D. Yeah, it doesn't look great in in three D, but like it, the whole point
0: is kind of a kind of a goofy little game. Mm-hmm. The first one clocks in at about maybe I'd say three to four hours for your first playthrough. Okay, and then I did like a really quick clean up one where like I was trying to get they've got some hidden collectibles and it was easier just to restart from scratch and I that would like that took one two hours so okay it's not a whole lot of meat on that game but it this Evo land collection also contained Evo Land two. Which I that one is does the Meteor of the two games. That one's the meteor of the two games. That one clocked in at about 15 20 hours. Yeah. With getting all the extra side stuff within that. That one does it a little bit better with the evolving so you start off in present and it's kind of like better 2d graphics and then there's a t- there's a time traveling mechanic where you'll go 50 years in the future and then that one you'll be in 3d and then if you go in the far into the past you'll kind of be looking like gba pokemon kind of graphics and then if you go even farther in the past it's like game boy not even the game boy color kind of graphics with the sprite so that's kind of a visual way of kind of assuming a lot of people play pokemon <laughs> or listen I mean,
1: there's to it. not an insignificant number of people who have played pokemon but yeah it's assuming that the fucking people who listen to this podcast have played a pokemon game before. yeah
0: i mean that's the kind of the best way i can describe it yeah so i really like that the evolving is tied to the time traveling i think that's kind of a neat idea other than the tutorial area they don't really kind of do the same things with the chess where it's like oh you, you got the ability to listen to music now thank god they kind of go away from that, and they actually put in a little bit of a story. No random encounters. It's all kind of action-oriented. And then this one also changes gameplay quite a bit. So there's one where it's like a Fire Emblem kind of tactics game, and that's okay. And then there's a beat up kind of like um, Streets of Rage, or I mean, one of those kind of fighting yeah, games.
1: Streets of Rage would work as an example.
0: Yeah. And that's okay as well. So you're gonna notice a trend here.
1: So it's it does a lot Everything of things the game very okay, but nothing really well. It yeah, it's it's master of or sorry, jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah, yeah, thank you're you. You're
0: welcome. That's kind of the main problem with it. I conceptually like the idea though that the game's kind of evolving, unlike Chrono Trigger, which would be kind of the comparison to the time traveling. Whereas that kind of stays with the same art style and just changes the locations, like going prehistoric, going to the future. The planet keeps changing with the times. This one changes the graphics with the times.
1: And the mechanics, it sounds like.
0: Overall, yeah, kind of the mechanics. So I think Chrono Trigger is much better in the fact that it kind of stays the, well, yeah, it's like a the same with the mechanics, mechanics, but then changes games. the environments. I think that works a lot better. But Evoland, I would say, is just kind of, it's good. At least the second one is, like, a, it, it's fun enough that it's, it'll distract you. Okay. And last thing I've been playing recently has been a Plague Tale Innocence. Rat King. Yeah, the Rat King. That's what my wife and I keep calling the boy. If that's a spoiler, I'm sorry I didn't know that yet, so tough shit. <laughs> Wait,
1: what? <laughs> oh, if he actually is the king of the rats?
0: I don't know. I haven't finished the game yet, oh, so okay. I can only kind of do my... I'm about, like, I'd say two-thirds maybe Maybe he's a gray
1: seer and he's got a bell in his pants. That is a Warhammer reference that exactly zero people listening to this podcast will get. (laughs) Including myself, yet again. I swear I know video games. It's like a board game, but yeah, anyway. Fuck. (laughs) Well, it's Warhammer, right? I know it from the Warhammer spin-off video games, but anyway, continue. The Rat King (laughs) game. Yeah, so this game is kind of
0: a stealth game. That's got a bit of escort kind of quest mechanics, which God, that's that's gonna sounds sound really bad, fucking awful. But it's handled okay because the the overall puzzles are very, I'd say, basic. Okay. There's not a lot of. They're basic. They're basic because like even I was. They visit Starbucks and get a fucking venti every single time. God fucking damn it, no. <laughs> uh... Starbucks is closing stores now. <laughs> they're good riddance. They're not doing well in the pandemic. I yeah, bet they're not. Is anyone? But anyway, yeah, this is set around a plague, mm-hmm. H- hence hence in the tale, a plague tale. And the characters are basically kind of just sh- surviving. Honestly, this is more about like a band of children basically surviving in a plague. And the plague is quite different from what we we know, where the rats are just fucking apeshit scary. They're probably the most terrifying part about the game. I like Dishonored-style rats. They don't give a fuck. Yeah, they're Dishonored-style rats, yeah. They do not give a fuck. Their introduction is probably the funniest because this old man definitely knows that there's the fucking rats, doesn't tell the kids what's happening. That's supposed to be the big surprise. And he goes away from the light and he's just like, oh, I hope my friend's okay. And then he hears the rats. He's like, I need the light. And he starts shuffling closer and closer. And I'm just like, are you dumb? You know what's fucking happened. You even said oh, me and Father Johnson, we're the only two alive in here. So I'm laughing my ass off. (laughs) So is my wife.
1: This game sounds like it's going for a very serious tone, but it kind of fumbles the delivery and ends up being like, kind of like Uncharted. Yeah, yeah. like like Uncharted gets that way sometimes, where some moments in the game are supposed to be super serious, like character climactic moments, and I just like, I would just fucking erupt laughing, or Tomb Raider is the same thing, where I just fucking erupt laughing at them because I'm like, this is so stupid. Honestly, I think that works in its favor, because... Oh, boy.
0: <laughs> oh, it's, it's just kind of funny. There's a lot of the mechanics where you need to, like, lure the rats to guards and, like, get them to gobble them up so that the guards get the fuck out of your way. What
1: the and... f- <laughs> Okay.
0: There's some good stuff about this game. There's enough mechanics in this that, like, and you're steadily getting some more upgrades throughout the story where you can either fight off the rats or you can fight off the guards a bit better. Either it's really easy, or I'm just really good with my resource management, so I'm not ever running into problems where I'm, like, out of shit. It's probably really so easy. I think it's probably really easy. If I remember correctly, it's got, like, a 50% of people who play this game actually get to the end, like, uh, finish all the chapters. Oh, yeah, so then the game's fucking easy
1: as shit, then. The the game is, yeah, the game is really easy. Not to knock you, because you're probably better at games than I am, but, like... Yeah, if that mm-hmm. many people finish the fucking game, then it's probably super duper easy.
0: Yeah, it's either really super easy, or it's really really good. Yeah,
1: it's not. Like there's anything wrong with that. It's just like a lot of the reasons why people will stop playing a game is if they like hit a block where they can't get past it, and they'll just be like, oh, fuck this," and they'll just put it down and never pick it back up again.
0: Yeah. So in that regard, it it's really easy. But I'm enjoying the story, even if there's some goofy parts, even if there's parts where I go, "Why the fuck would you do that?" That makes absolutely no sense. Okay it's kind of landing uh, enough where i think yeah it's it's a really really good game and if you can kind of pick it up for i'd say the 15 to 20 dollar price tag even
1: maybe 30 i think it's worth it what about the xbox sex Box pass
0: oh i didn't know it was on there yeah
1: I, well it was was the last time i had subscription for it anyway
0: cool so if you, if you get it that way give it a whirl yeah because you don't like it after the first little bit or you think it's a bit too gruesome then, yeah, and, then and stop. Because, I mean, it's set during the,
1: the Black Plague, essentially. If you know some history... The big plague. You know what the fuck happened. Yeah, a bunch <laughs> of rats gave people diseases that could have been fucking dealt with with modern penicillin and taking a bath.
0: Yeah, one thing I did find really funny was there's, like, they're in a village, and then she's like, don't touch that soap. And I'm like, that's, like, probably the best thing to grab. You should grab that. <laughs> <laughs> Why aren't you fucking grabbing the soap? Those peasants were... She tells the little boy, like, stop. Don't do that. No, peasants and I'm like, dirty. I'm like... I guess. So when you get to that town, like, everyone's telling you to basically fuck off, but no one's telling you there's a fucking plague. Like, you have to, like, realize it, but the player knows
1: what the fuck's happening. <laughs> it's really funny. It's the same as fucking right now. People won't tell you a fucking pandemic's happening because they don't believe it's happening. Well, some people, anyway. I didn't think about that like that. Well,
0: yeah, this is about the same though. Yeah.
1: Anytime there's a fucking pandemic, there's a bunch of people who will deny there's a pandemic and a bunch of them will die. Fucking shit just got too real there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So I'd say this is kind of on the the top end of my list for this year. Okay, I'm I'm enjoying it quite a bit. But uh, with that, and no longer having to deal with Craig, this is the end of our podcast. Yay. (laughs) I have no idea how long this will be or if this will be any good. But thank you for listening, regardless if you've gotten to this point. Yeah. You can follow us on Twitter at the Frosty Canucks. You can follow us on any of the platforms we are on, such as Anchor, Spotify, or Stitcher. You can follow myself, Jason, at Javim Animation. That's J-A-V-M Animation. I post some stuff like what I've been playing recently, what I think are the pros and cons. I've got to catch up on a few of the games that I've talked about today with some posts. So look forward to that. And with that, Frosty.
1: I write pretty regularly on my blog. I was talking about having written some posts. I got a big one about Hitman coming out. It should be live by the time you are able to listen to this podcast. It is easily the longest thing I've written in a really long time. I think it's pretty good. It came together pretty well. I still have to edit it at the time of recording. But by the time this goes out, it should be available to read. So go read that. As well as any of the other stuff that's on my blog at FrostyLight.ca. If you want to get updates on all the shit I am doing, you can follow me at FrostyLight on Twitter. If you just want to see my art stuff, you can follow me at FrostyLight on Instagram. I am currently doing some deep dives into improving specific things in my art stuff, so there might be some posts on Instagram over the next few weeks showing somewhat different style of art. I don't think it's too different from what I normally do, but it's also... There's a bunch of things I've changed around based on things I wasn't happy about in my art, and that will likely be present in the posts that go up in the next several weeks. And then I guess the final thing is Twitch. I stream every Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern time for a couple of hours. Usually art, sometimes video games. So stop by and chat. It's always a pleasure to speak with the different people who show up to that. I think that's everything.
0: Thank you all for listening to the 13th episode of the Frosty Canucks. This has been... Fucking shit show. Fucking shit show. Thank you for listening and stay frosty.